0: You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network
1: from across the stars. Commanders Michael Cohen, Matthew Krenke, and their ragtag crew are here to bring you stories of adventure and excitement from a
0: galaxy far, far away. Get ready for tales of merciless bounty hunters, courageous heroes, and sinister villains. From the Core Worlds to the Outer Rim and beyond,
2: Buckle up, baby. It's about to get
0: faster, more intense. Hello there and welcome back to Faster, More Intense. I know it's been a little bit of a longer hiatus than we promised you guys, but uh, I don't know if you noticed, the world's a little bit on fire. Uh, So uh, we're back now. Uh, I am one of your hosts, uh, Michael Cohen, and uh, we're coming and we're doing a very different um, approach to what we uh, what we were kind of planning back uh, at the end of of 2019. Um, so over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to have some guests on the podcast um, to talk about a bunch of different things in Star Wars stuff that Matt and I uh, and and some of the regular crew like Kyle and Tim and such might not necessarily get into, um, and trying to bring a few new perspectives into uh, into the conversation. So. Uh, this week, we have our special guest, uh, Samantha Cacho. Uh Say hi to everybody.
1: Hi. Uh,
0: and uh, what, what, peop- what might people know you from other than just sort of Twitter and, uh, and the Star Wars community at large? Where, 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 <laughs> what, what's the thing that's going to make people click?
1: That's going to make people click? Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, I'm an actor, and uh, my biggest thing that I would say is The Vampire Diaries. And I got to die on there. They got to break my neck, Ooh. which that was cool. But um, my favorite thing that I've done is Rectify, which was a show done by Ray McKinnon. If you don't know him, he was the preacher on Deadwood. And um, he's a phenomenal, phenomenal creator. And um, it was on Sundance, you know, very well done show about the South specifically. Cool. and. Uh, that was a phenomenal experience. And then I also did an episode of being Mary Jane where I got to be directed by the wonderful Regina King, Ooh! which if wow. you haven't seen Watchmen, go watch Watchmen.
0: Yeah. I got to get on that. <laughs> yes. That's one of those that's one of those things. And especially right now, um, I, I, I like even, even before, uh, you know, the, 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 we kicked into the craziness of, of June, I, I, I mean, I, I don't want to skirt around it. The Black Lives Matter movement coming back mm-hmm. and, and going into full force. Um, even before then, I was like, oh, I really need to watch Watchmen. Like, because I originally I was like, I got I, I do not care because like the, the comic is great, but mm-hmm. it's a little bit like Alan Moore is a, not really my taste. He's a little bit too much of a bummer. Um, <laughs> and then and then the Zack Snyder movie is divisive at best, mm-hmm. uh, as Zack Snyder tends to be. I and uh, and so when they announced that they were doing an, an HBO series, I was like, can this possibly actually be good? And then everybody started talking yes. about it and going like, it's fantastic. And I'm like, oh, OK, I, I need to watch it. And then everything yes. uh, everything happened um, with George Floyd and and the Black Lives Matter movement. Like I said, sort of like like coming back uh, uh, bigger and, and more intense than than ever. Um mm-hmm. It's so
1: well done. And uh, I would have loved to have seen their writer's room because we may be talking about um, cohesive in terms yeah. of storytelling. Yeah. And it's that I, there is a very um, distinctive beginning and end. And I know some people maybe would have wanted more, and even another like more just for this season, more for next season. But for me, in terms of storytelling as a television, uh, I have never been as satisfied with a show other than avatar the last airbender nice. so for watchmen to join that is yeah. a, a really big That's deal big. big standard and um yeah it's just just so needed and so necessary right yeah. now
0: absolutely yeah i so i i need to get on it it's it's hard <laughs> with kids but uh, i need it to get isn't. on it and watch it <laughs> um but uh, but we're not here to talk about watchmen we're here to talk about star <laughs> wars right so, um,
1: I would have Regina King direct Star Wars, though. I will yeah. say that. So <laughs> she's I, I, on my list.
0: <laughs> that's not a bad idea. Um, she's a
1: director, so and she kicks yeah. ass at that too. So heck, yes.
0: Um, yeah, I, 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 I think that uh, uh, that's been one of the conversations that's kind of been happening a lot lately is uh, getting getting diverse voices and that sort of thing um, into into some of these places. Now I will also say, I I not we don't want get too political on a Star Wars podcast that's about Star Wars stuff but also Star Wars is political by nature so it's hard to avoid as well mm-hmm. but um, I I having diverse directors and diverse people on screen and stuff like that is something that we should always be striving for and working towards and and all of that but what we really need to do is is defund the police and and uh, I you know Uh, figure out better ways to to serve the black community and and just everybody in general but Mm -hmm. um let's let's veer off of that course because that's a whole other conversation Mm -hmm. if you want to hear stuff like that um if you want to definitely if you want to hear me talk about it um you can go over to the thunderquack podcast and listen to that because because we get into politics on there a lot um and politics and pop culture is sort of the, the the two things coming together um, but here we're going to talk about Star Wars, and there has been some news since the last time that we talked to you guys. Uh, I know that a lot, a lot of the people listening to this also listen to Rebel Cells. So uh, I, when we left Clone Wars, when that wrapped up and we recorded our last episode, uh, there were a few things that were still kind of in flux. Uh, the thing that was on the horizon, two things that were on the horizon that I think we were looking forward to kind of the most were the High Republic as well as uh star wars celebration uh not just for the event of star wars celebration but also all of the announcements that we would get at star wars celebration um of course at the time uh, when when clone wars ended we were well into um the the social isolation stay at home sort of stuff um but it still seemed like they weren't gonna relent on celebration and it wasn't gonna get cancelled um, and uh, I was very vocal at the time of it should be. It's dangerous. It's not a good idea to have, you know 60,000 people uh, in a convention center. Um, <laughs> I, I, it, with without a vaccine. So I, I thankfully, I, I cooler heads, I think prevailed. I, it really at the end of the day, I think that what happened is is um, the government made certain rulings which allowed, read pop the company that that runs star wars celebration to um to to cancel contracts without too many penalties um because that's what I that's what they were really waiting for um because if they cancel their own show everybody that's got contracts with them and stuff they got to give money back they gotta they still have to pay for things it's all the it's very complicated if um if they if they are canceled because of an act of nature act of god uh, which which a pandemic is, then all of that stuff is kind of null, and and they can they can kind of just walk away from it. And then the most important thing is a venue for the next show, uh, which which we know it's been pushed. Uh, so the next one is going to be in twenty twenty two, not next year. Uh, some people question why. Uh, the reason why is because there's a D twenty three that happens in Anaheim in twenty twenty one, in August, like the same time, basically, like it's. They're, they would be putting two of the same uh, uh, conventions way too close together. So um, so it's been pushed to 2022, uh, which I think is, is the best for everybody. I think it's the safest for everybody. Um, and we know that by then we will definitely have a vaccine, so let's all make our plans <laughs> to hang out in 2022, um, provided the world hasn't completely ended before this year is done. I... But uh, yeah, so Celebration uh, uh, officially c- canceled and, and re- not rescheduled, but a new one scheduled for 2022. If you have tickets to it, if you didn't get somehow a couple <laughs> weeks ago, you missed all of the news um, and you don't don't realize like, oh, I've got tickets for that. You can either hold on to your tickets, which as far as I know, you just don't have to do anything. You can just chill um, and mm. and and your tickets will automatically be transferred to the next show. Um, or you can get a refund, um, which I know that some people financially, that's, that's, which is why I bring it up. I don't want to like gloss over that. Cause if, if you're in the position, uh, as so many people are right now where you're financially a little bit tapped out, um, and you could use that, you know, 150, 200, $300 back, depending on, on what, what ticket you bought. Um, then yeah, definitely go get your refund and worry about it in, 2021 or 2022. That's uh, what
1: I did with Hamilton, and it worked out because you now go. I'll get to watch it.
0: Now, you, yeah, and you don't even have, like you can watch it in your pajamas. With the original cast. Yeah, with the original cast. I am very so excited. excited. I'm I have so a, glad so,
1: I asked for that refund.
0: <laughs> I've I've never seen Hamilton, uh, and I've never I've never even listened to the to the soundtrack, um because I know that I'm gonna like it. Right. I I but. I'm a it's I'm, it's weird with musicals. I don't like oh. just listening to the music. I want to see it. Like I, I di- w- Yes. I want to experience same. it all for the first time. So, um, I'm really excited this weekend to sit down with my <laughs> wife at some point, put the kids to bed, and, and uh, yes, and watch Hamilton. So, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. The Star Wars connection in there is that Lin Manuel Miranda is in. Uh, he's he's kind of in two star wars movies because he's mm-hmm. his voice is in the force awakens and then he's physically in uh rise of skywalker mm-hmm. um and that might be the actual only continuous thread that jj managed to weave from force awakens into rise <laughs>
1: oh goodness um
0: we'll get there we'll get there we'll that. that's a little, that's There's a little so tease. much
1: of that cast though would be great in star wars leslie odom jr is also on my list and I can't wait for you to see him as Burr. I I started to listen to the music right after I bought the tickets and I'm glad I did because some of it is so fast that your brain just Whenever like Lafayette or Jefferson are going, um, so you'll watch and then you'll rewatch it again and be like, "Oh, For that's sure. what they said. They said Potomac. Okay." Um, <laughs> I don't know how also, long that one took me to realize they were saying Potomac.
0: Also, being awesome. a Canadian, I have zero oh, yeah, like not. I wouldn't right. say zero because I'm because I'm I'm am I'm a fairly educated person. Um, I, I I have some understanding of Alexander right. Hamilton and everything that happened. <laughs> but uh even from before hamilton was it was a big deal um but uh but yeah i mean like i don't have like the u.s history sort of Mm -hmm. background most of what i know about the u.s history comes from assassin's creed 3 which is not a great place to get your your uh historical information i I, it's not the worst um anyways i yeah so celebration is canceled along with that Um, and I, and the reason why I lump these two things together is because I do think that they actually are very connected going into celebration. One of the things that I think we were all going to be talking about the most was the high Republic. Um, and I think that there were probably a lot of announcements that were going to happen at celebration in regards to the larger multimedia aspects of the high Republic, high Republic has been pushed to January, um, because they want to be able to do proper book releases. And I, kind of understand that the thing that's really obnoxious about it is that the books were like a lot of these books were almost done um i but like a lot of things i mean ghostbusters got pushed as well and jason reitman was like this is great this never happens we were almost done the movie and then it gets pushed for a year and that means that i've not like i've got the opportunity to go back and really like look at it at the finished product and do another pass and work for another year on this and make sure that the effects are perfect, that bubble blah, 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 all of that stuff, which is like, okay, that's awesome for ghostbusters. It also means that that like Charles soul and, um, uh, Daniel Jose older and everybody else who's doing this high Republic stuff, uh, that they have an opportunity now to do another set of edits before this stuff has to go to printers. So, um, I, hopefully that means that the high Republic will be even better. Than, than I think it was gonna be, but uh, but it does mean that we are in a dead zone right now until the Mandalorian comes out. I uh, I and uh, I think that probably in August we'll get a little bit of news about Mandalorian. We might hear about animated stuff. Uh, they've been super cagey about it. As I've I've said on on Rebel Cells multiple times, it's like the rumors are out there. We kind of know what's coming next, but um but it's it it, and and, uh, as always until it's announced by lucasfilm disney star it's not really anything so um they're still being a little bit a little bit cagey about that stuff but um but we know that lucasfilm animation is working on something that they they haven't stopped since clone wars started so um so something's in the pipeline and we'll probably hear about that later this summer but uh but as it stands right now there's a lot of people online uh, going like hey how come star wars is dead and uh, as a result oh my god yesterday was it the day yesterday or the day before um we started getting all those rumors about disney is rebooting star wars which oh, yeah. is literally just there is no star wars news to talk about right now so somebody created some star wars news like it, and it's it drives me nuts because it's the continue and this is why we don't really report on the rumor and speculation stuff other than talking about rumor and speculation um is that like it what ends up happening is that one site reports that they heard from a source they don't there's nothing to corroborate it there's nothing like it it could it is more than likely just a made-up story Mm -hmm. but but they want what, to be first. They get out there. They say it. And then what happens is that then uh, it's usually like We Got This Covered or Cosmic Book News that are the first ones to report mm-hmm. it. And then somebody else picks it up. And mm-hmm. then nobody's reporting on the We Got This Covered or Cosmic Book News, which everybody knows are bogus websites and just clickbait. They're now talking about like, well, superhero hype is talking about it. And they're usually right right and so then then variety picks it up from them and runs with it instead of actually back tracing it all the way to the source and so you end up with a rumor that that gets legs and becomes a story even though it's not a story it's a total non-starter um disney is not rebooting Star <laughs> <Wars>. <laughs> no i did i've never watched Tales.
1: i'm just laughing because there's an episode One of the little girls I'd babysit way back in the day, the rumor weed. And Mm. that's, that's essentially what it becomes. And it's even not even about the, what the rumor is. It's just how can you piggyback off of that and keep going in terms of the conversation and whatnot. And, um. Yeah. I always get on, like, I'm a night owl, so, like, during the day I do my stuff, and I usually don't get on, like, Twitter until later, so I didn't see that until late, whatever day it was. I don't think it was yesterday. I think it was Tuesday, and I just kind of, I'm like, what? And, okay, you know, just, all right. Um, I, yeah. I don't it, see that happening, personally. It's I it's just, not.
0: It, there is no way that they're going to do it. It's not. building more
1: Star Wars down the road, but I don't yeah. see that ha- That's That's just... Uh, it,
0: I'm. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be surprised if. Um, uh, you know, in in ten years, they, uh, they put something out that was in the timeline of one of the existing trilogies, that, mm-hmm. um, that doesn't doesn't override or redo or reboot any of it, but that that changes context, right? Because mm-hmm. we've gotten you can that before.
1: Rogue won it. Yeah. Certain. Exactly.
0: Um. But but I don't I don't see them ever with the with any of the films. They'll mm-hmm. never go back and redo them. Uh, no. there there are some things that even Hollywood's not crass enough to do. If if we ever got a remake of Star Wars in any capacity, I think it would end up being animated. Um and it mm-hmm. but they're kind of already doing that with Galaxy of Adventures. That's kind of the whole mm-hmm. point there is that like hey, let's take this 1970s 80s franchise and make it palatable to a younger audience by doing it right. in this anime style right but even right. there they're still using all of the original dialogue they're using original mm-hmm. sounds it's not like they're rebooting star wars and changing it um although they do add extra flourish to things like the vader and and luke fight in empire right um right they definitely like would just... amp that stuff up
1: I could see them doing more TV shows, like if they wanted to do a TV show set during the sequel time frame because The Mandalorian did um, come off so well and you have so much more that you can do with television. Um, And it's not that it's like a procedural, which are, you know, done so quickly and you're shooting in eight days and you're done for your 45 minute show. They, They really have the time to treat this like they do films in a sense. Um, even though it is different in terms of what you're doing cohesively story-wise. So I could see them doing that. And like you said, whether it's books or other kinds of mediums, but that's just, it's, Star Wars is not, in my opinion, the way that James Bond or Superman or whatever those other things are. Um, I mean, it's not to say that it couldn't be, but it's just never been like that. And I don't think that they would use the resources or the time to do that i think they would add on versus a complete update yeah. like reboot because i think it's just yeah. not worth their time otherwise Th- those films are just there's too many variables and too much at stake to to do that and most likely it's still not going to get the reaction that they would want
0: no and and i i think that what lucasfilm has learned over the last little while is that um their their path to success doesn't lie in tapping into the legacy um as much as i think they thought it did when they started um by by doing seven eight and nine i i think that now they realize the stuff that's been the most successful for them and i'm not gonna say financially the stuff that's been most the most successful for them has been the saga films they've made Mm. over a billion dollars each with the force awakens making two billion dollars like That's what has been the most successful uh, from a, from a purely financial standpoint. But when you talk about sort of the larger, um, and you, you do have to think this way holistically with something like star Wars or Marvel or DC. um, They, when they look at uh, star Wars rebels, when they look at rogue one, when they look at the Mandalorian and they see uh, resistance is a bit of a misfire, never really found its audience, but Um, but when they look at that stuff and they compare that to, uh, seven, eight, nine and solo, um, I think that they realize like, oh, it's very difficult to go back and touch this stuff without setting off a firestorm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, because especially with the original trilogy characters, I think Kenobi will be in a better position. Um, but, but even still, I think that there's danger there. Um, as long as they respect Star Wars Rebels, they'll probably be fine. But I, I, when you touch those original trilogy characters, some people have had forty years to decide what those characters mean to them. And I was actually thinking about it today. I was I, I, I saw some fan art. Um, I I actually I'll, while I'm talking about it, I'll bring up the artist so that I can give him credit. But uh, this artist did uh, did this great. Uh, little illustration and sometimes sometimes artists do this where they kind of imagine what what would have happened if um, if if everything hadn't gone horribly in Revenge of the Sith uh, mm-hmm. the the original uh, the, the the poster the the artist for this is Columbo uh, at this user is angry on Twitter um, and they posted this great image it's it's three panels and in the first panel it's so weird like this stuff is such it's so weird fan art and fanfic can be such a such a weird trip sometimes but um it's obi-wan giving luke like like young luke like he looks like he's probably about 10 a haircut which like what why i don't understand but i love it uh and then anakin doing leia's hair and having no idea what he's doing and then a, and then the third panel is uh luke and leia with padme and anakin and obi-wan in the background kind of looking a little bit dumb uh, and it's just they're just like these wholesome like like family moments of like oh this it could have been so sweet uh their their everyday life could have been great um i i where was i going with that i just got so <laughs> caught up in the art itself What was I saying before that? Talking well, we were
1: talking about like legacy and whatnot in terms of the original characters. I mean, I think again, either way, you're going to somebody's always going to be happy and somebody's always going to not be happy, and that's just something you have to live with. I think the problem comes if when you talk about legacy, there's and this is something that I think the Dave discusses very well in the Disney Gallery for the Mandalorian.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, it shouldn't be an imitation it's it's you're really trying to lift that spirit from it yeah. and if it's an imitation it's it's never going to top what the original was and for me personally that's where i do, i do find the force awakens the most enjoyable of the sequels to watch But I think in terms of the storytelling, I think The Last Jedi really elevates it. And it does what it had to do based on The Force Awakens. And so I know we'll get into that later with cohesiveness. But uh, what I saw in The Mandalorian was, I am not, I mean, you're imitating certain sense of, okay, here's Mos here's the costuming, here's that. Um, But this is, and even storytelling in terms of the, you know, the wolf and cub or with whatever the, you know, or the yeah. lone gunslinger and the baby. Um, yeah. You're lifting that mythological thing that has been done over and over again, but you're putting it in a setting that we haven't seen before. You're respecting, and I think that maybe that's the biggest thing, it's respecting the world that you're in, and that doesn't have to include something being an exact copy. Yeah, And that's what I think both John and Dave very much understand with the show, and I think that's something that they struggled with On the films, um, because I mean, George didn't do that with the prequels. The prequels are extremely different than the original series, not just in terms of look, but in terms of tone. They're very, very different. Um, And he he wasn't, you know, he's not. He wasn't trying to do the exact same thing over again. It has to serve that story that came before. But that's something that I hope to see more with. Kenobi and what the the Cassian series and they may feel a bit more leeway because it's a television show versus one of these legacy films and I know we won't have any more quote legacy films for the time being but um I think Rogue One did pretty well with it I will say I've always had an issue with the Peter Cushing aspect um I would have just had I think it's Guy Henry was his name play Tarkin absolutely and he would have been really great that's just a big thing as an actor that um kind of that's that's the one part where i'm like i know the technology's there but the importance that the performance matters more yeah. and i think it's the same thing the you can imitate but go with the spirit of what it is and it's it, I, it and should I, land yeah
0: i think they learned that and then with solo casting alden i think that they
1: oh and he was great
0: yeah that they looked at it and they went like impressed. no no you you got to capture the spirit of this character yeah um, and especially in that instance and actually that that kind of brings me back to what i was the i remember what i was gonna say um <laughs> It's that that forty years living with those characters, and and the reason why Luke in the Last Jedi, the reason why Han in in Solo, I think rubs so many fans the wrong way, is because they started creating their own versions of those characters in their heads. Of course, and you start much. you start coding those characters um, however you want to code them, and because their own they, life experience, and because they are. Um, Uh, Because they're white male characters, they are insert self characters, whether it's Han or Luke, which are the two most dangerous to to pick from um, for for this reason. people, when that character behaves differently than how they thought that character was going to behave, people take it as a personal attack. It's Very not much. it's not a, a that character behaved differently than I thought that character would behave. They're not I don't think that the majority of the audience or even the majority of the Star Wars fandom is doing that that extra piece of 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 um, uh, sort of like uh, uh, contextualization and. And uh, uh, drama, dramaturgy sort of thing, right? Like it's like that's something that, that I think is 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 a specific group of the fandom gets into the like, oh, how like like the how are these characters written? What are their archetypes and that sort of thing? I think that the majority of people are just like spaceships, laser swords, it's all pretty right. cool. I like this. Um, certainly, the general audience feels that way. And what I was gonna say about Luke is it, and that art, why I brought it up. Is that the Luke that's depicted in it? It's this young Luke, uh, as if he wasn't raised on Tatooine in this harsh environment um, by by loving uh, uh, adoptive parents, but but still in in a very different environment than than if he had been raised, uh, in particular by Padme, um, and and uh, with the influence of Obi Wan Kenobi a little bit more more direct. Um, and it got me thinking of like. If that had happened, I think that Luke would have been a lot more of of white sort of it's it's like right on the periphery of his character, I always find, especially with the stuff in in the sequel trilogy and what we learn about him, the fact that he goes off on his own in into the into exile and whatever. Um, I don't think that Luke Skywalker is a particularly sexual character um, and uh, it always bothered me in in the expanded universe that that he f- you know fell in love with all these beautiful women and uh, and then he has a son and it's like I, like I don't like those stories aren't bad it just always kind of felt a little bit weird to me and it wasn't mm-hmm. until I was older. And and obviously uh, representation became a a more prominent thing in media. And I started to learn about like, oh, well, not everybody is heterosexual and not everybody. It's not heterosexual or gay. Those aren't the only two things. Right. And and now I think of it and I go like, well, Luke Skywalker, I think, is probably a pretty like asexual guy. Like, I, I don't think that it's really in his mind, because when you look at him in Empire and even in A New Hope, He's it's he's almost like pushing it a little bit too hard. Like he's like like Leia's the only girl, so he's like, "Gotta I got to do it. I got to do it. I feel some sort of a connection to her. It must be this." And that that to me in in my interpretation of the character that I don't think anybody else has to adhere to, that I don't think that anybody else even has to come close to agreeing with me on, but my personal view on it is that that was him wrestling with a sexuality that he couldn't define because it came from a backwater planet mm. where those conversations probably mm. didn't happen. Had he mm. been raised by Padme Amidala, most likely on Naboo in a very like cultured, very, um, I, uh, I, uh, uh, sort of, um, I don't know, like, like, uh, like rhetoric based society where it's like, let's talk everything out. I think that I think that Luke Skywalker would have grown up to be a very different person um and possibly still a Jedi, right? but like a very, very different person. And I think he actually would have been a lot more uh uh in touch with his feminine side because that kind of is there with that character, certainly with 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 uh his style, I think. um and and then that sort of like 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 more celibate like a sexual aspect to him. it's like. you can't you can't like make a decision to go off and 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 be alone on an island for 30 years or however long it was 20 years 10 years uh if i if you're not thinking about like if if that's not a concern to you i don't know Mm -hmm. um it's interesting
1: you say that because i think with a lot of and it's probably older men who had issues with the the, pre- the presentation of Luke's mm-hmm. character in The Last Jedi, I'm sure a lot of it was very unconscious with what they were feeling. And Absolutely. it's like you said, we have this huge gap. We don't see what happened in between. How does he end at this very triumphant moment? And then all of a sudden, he's at rock bottom. And that is, it's kind of like just mental health-wise, you could be talking to the therapist and say, how did I get here? And you literally don't know. And I mm-hmm. think in some ways for Luke he doesn't know and then for we as the audience we definitely don't know (laughs) and that's um that's frustrating to have as an audience you know on on a certain level and it you know i know for me um just because i've done a lot of talk therapy in my life you know it's something that i was able to kind of see through um you know it's funny when you were talking about with the art what would he have become it's interesting for me because so much of trauma as an adult goes back to your childhood and mm-hmm. infancy. And even though, like you said, he was raised and loved by Baru and Owen, there was always unanswered questions there. Yeah. And there was always a sense of, well, you can't do this, or I'm not going to do that. But I think even if he was raised by Padme, um, whether Anakin was there or not, there still would have been a lot of lingering issues there because Anakin and Padme were just completely toxic in their own Not way in terms of doing it and yeah. that stuff just that stuff just it's cyclical you yeah. know and that comes from I mean Anakin you know he has no father and he was born and he was raised as a slave uh you know Padme had a from what I gather a more healthy um yeah. <laughs> you know situation and so I I think but that's, but but
0: obviously Obviously there's something in her life and, and possibly being a monarch at the age of fourteen does it, um, where she feels the need to give into a weird desire She's, with Anakin, right? Like like she, wants she follows to become lust. his
1: mother, I think, and she yeah. can't you cannot be you cannot be mother and lover at the same time. And I think unfortunately the prior took over and that's why it didn't work. And this is what I've always, oh, I wish I could talk to you about avatar right now too, because it totally works with something in avatar as well with one ship. It doesn't happen. And I wish it would have originally. And then I realized, Oh my gosh, it can't because this character would be the other character's mother. And that's, that's not healthy. And I think that was happened with Anakin and, Uh, and Padme and so I mean there's so much stuff that is just very biologically ingrained and going in there and and so I think and but and that's what just hit so a lot a lot of these people who saw The Last Jedi and to not have any material in between and this is kind of going with our cohesiveness I think aspect of the story to have you know Luke be the MacGuffin of the previous film you don't get that information and on a Mm -hmm. storytelling level wise I completely understand that frustration you know and and I can, for me, I was able to supersede that in terms of being able to say, this is, I understand how Luke got here, but at the same time, I am cognizant of people who were not able to do that. I'm trying to think if I ever had a, a, an instance with something where it's just, I was like, no, this does not fit his character. Yeah. And I, I've never, I haven't been able to get to that yet, um, I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure what it would be, but, um, but yeah,
0: yeah. I'm, I I think with the expanded universe, that character is so all over the place that it's a lot easier to dig in there and go like Luke did this or Luke did that. And it and I've
1: heard <laughs> be
0: very confused at his actions. Dark Empire is one of the things that I think a lot of people will go back to, which the uh, rise took a lot of inspiration from, but. Um, I've
1: get- read like none of the Expanded Universe oh, really? stuff other than Kenobi I remember seeing it all the time when I was younger um, for, for all the young kids out there Media Play was a place where you could buy entertainment such as VHS's <laughs> and CDs and books and I would always see the books at Media Play and I would be like oh I want to read this like the Jedi Academy and I would always see like Mara Jade on the cover but I never did it and so other than Kenobi Um, I do have like the original Thrawn trilogy now. um, And I'm like, I really need to get on this um, (laughs) because I need to know, at least in terms of that, like what people are talking about. But I've heard a lot of what you said, like certain people are just like all over the place is, is what I've gathered. But um, then there are other things that I know they're really positive about, like Thrawn or Jaina or not, maybe not everything with Jaina, but certain aspects to it. So there's good stuff in the more of that. (laughs) There's,
0: there's good stuff there, but um, uh, it, I I don't know if it's better or worse than than the sequel trilogy. I would have had a different answer before Rise, but before we get into that, we're just gonna take a really quick break, and uh, uh, you guys can listen to some ads or skip through them. Honestly, just skip through them. Just just hit your thirty <laughs> seconds advance like twice. I think um, it doesn't matter. Just uh, skip you're not gonna buy the car that they're advertising, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and then we're going to get into our main topic, uh, which you may have already guessed at. But uh, So we're just going to take a really quick break, and then we'll be right back. All right, here we go with our main topic. Uh, as I said before, you may have guessed at what it is. Um, I, with, with, uh, with Rise of Skywalker now having been out for a little while uh, on digital platforms on Disney Plus for now two months... Um, I think that uh, I think we've all had had time to fully digest it, to really look at it. Um, I know that a lot of people have done uh, uh, sequel trilogy viewings to sort of watch one, two and three uh, in close sequence so that they can, you know, kind of get a vibe for for what the whole thing is. Um, Personally, I I don't think that there is a vibe. I think it's very disjointed. And I think it's one of the reasons why. It it doesn't work for a lot of people um, as opposed to uh, the original trilogy or even the prequels, which I think are very clear in their um, sort of their conceits and what they're about. Uh, Even it's funny because you've got you have the two examples, because anytime somebody comes at me with like the oh, yeah, but what about this? It's like, well, here I've got two examples of George Lucas's filmmaking and storytelling, because with the original trilogy, he was definitely making it up as he went he was definitely he didn't know that that Luke and Leia were brother and sister until he did Return of the Jedi uh, even even uh, uh, in the midst of filming Empire that was still not on the table there are deleted scenes that make that very clear um, but, uh, but by the end of it because it's one singular person's vision um, in terms of story he manages to pull it all together and that story Becomes from start to finish not only about Luke's rise from Farmboard to Jedi Knight, but ultimately in the redemptive uh, uh, act of of bringing back uh, uh, Anakin Skywalker, right? Uh, I, Anakin Vader sacrificing himself to save his son and then that really when you go back and you look at Empire when you go back and you look at A New Hope it's like there are all of these connective threads that go through it the other example is the prequel trilogy which from the outset he knows where he ends and he has to work his way backwards and uh, but work his way backwards but then again forwards it's <laughs> no easy task I, I don't envy George Lucas and he, I think he gets way more flack than he deserves for, uh, for what he did because I think he pulled it off at the end of the day but um, but with the with the prequel trilogy, I I you know it it again is very cohesive. It's very thoughtful in terms of what what is that trilogy about. What is the style that it's told in? The original trilogy was Buck Rogers and Flash Gordon, a little bit of John Carter, a little bit of um, uh, of uh, of a few other things, some westerns and and Kurosawa mixed in there. But ultimately flash gordon is really the thing that that he's going for in that larger story um from a stylistic point of view and then as i talked about the theme of redemption with vader that ties it all together um and the hero's journey does a really good job of making it seem like a cohesive story uh, even if it was made up on the fly the original tr- oh, sorry the prequel trilogy <clears throat> then goes back and uh and and people are starting to recognize this it's funny how 20 years can can soften a lot of people's opinions and give them the opportunity to actually like examine it and not just react it's going to be interesting in 20 years to see how we talk about the sequel trilogy but um the the prequel trilogy i've been saying for a long time almost a decade now Uh, is a Shakespearean tragedy and like full stop. Mm. That's what it is. Uh, Those characters are all by. And I think that the reason why George came to that conclusion is because when he sat down to write it, it's like, I know where this goes. None of these characters can live. We know that Yoda goes into exile. We know that Obi-Wan goes into exile. I, uh, r2 and 3po don't remember what happened right like like he's 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 gotta reconcile all of these things and it ultimately like the end of Revenge of the Sith is Hamlet like there's there are a couple of people left standing um and and essentially every player on the board has has met with a a, a dire fate right um mm-hmm. R2 is the only one left standing who's really not affected. (laughs) And he's our Horatio who tells the story. Right. So like, I think working backwards from that, you look at it and you go, okay, this is all Shakespearean tragedy. And, and the reason why I know that that was intentional is because the, the, the main track from attack of the clones is across the stars, which is just taking the term star crossed, which is their romance, Anakin and Padme. (laughs) They are Romeo and Juliet. They're destined for tragedy. It's there's no getting around it. Kind of what we were talking about before. The the whole aspect of of like we I I like those those illustrations of like this wholesome happy ending for them, but it's impossible because their relationship is so inherently flawed from the minute that they decided that they were going to be together. They it's spelled Doom for the entire galaxy. Like that's what did it. That's what gave good old Sheev the ability to to manipulate Anakin and and extinguish the Jedi. Right. So that's all. Like like really, out of all three trilogies, it's funny because now the prequels are the most cohesive. They are the most singular in in the the ideas and themes that are being expressed. Um, and actually, I think that they. That they've aged really really well in terms of story in terms of filmmaking we definitely know how to do special effects and stuff like that better nowadays and i don't just mean quality of cg i also mean staging and and what we can do with sets and and um and knowing not to do what he did which is put everybody on a you know 20 foot gangway of blue screen and and uh, and then we'll just fix it in post so the movies end up being people walking through corridors for you know seven hours but uh, I, you know with some lightsabers and spaceships mixed in there but uh, but but other than that like the the story and I actually think that the performances and a lot of the dialogue is really really great and holds up um, when you look at it with that lens it's why Ian McDiarmid and Ewan McGregor and uh, a handful of others Terrence Stamp like they they deliver real great performances in the prequels because they're a little bit more in that they can they can play in that genre and then Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman there may be a little bit they feel really dry and flat at times because they're playing it like the original Star Wars or like a like like the other projects that they've done and not so much like Shakespeare so it doesn't it's, it's just, that's the only part of that to me that's discordant when we get to the sequel trilogy i'm going to finish up talking about this and then i'll, I'll let you come in and, and get your opinion in here too okay. but
1: you said a lot of things like you actually stole exactly two words that i was going to say which i'll tell you
0: oh yeah when okay
1: <laughs> uh, when we get
0: to the sequel trilogy because um kathleen kennedy didn't have a story in mind jj didn't have a story in mind Uh, Even going back, Michael Arndt didn't really have a story. Michael Arndt didn't even manage to get a story going, just a bunch of concepts. Um, And Ryan Johnson, I think, is sort of like the odd man out in that, like, like, I think that he came in, picked up the pieces from Force Awakens and went, "Okay, I can make something out of this and Mm -hmm. and and really set up a lot of the pieces. And then and with the expectation and this, I think this is really important because it's not all on JJ and Chris Terrio. I think Ryan put all of that stuff in place with the expectation of knowing who he was handing off to and what the production schedule was. Um, I don't think that Colin Trevorrow was going to hand in a better movie than Rise of Skywalker because I don't think that Colin Trevorrow is a better filmmaker than J.J. Abrams. But but I do think that, that the story would have ended up actually feeling a little bit more cohesive because... Trevorrow wouldn't have felt the need to go back and pick threads back up from The Force Awakens um, mm. so what we end up with is this really weird sandwich of JJ, <laughs> Ryan, JJ that that adds to the discordant uh, element of that story um, and if we had had uh, whether you had the same writer I, th- I really wish that they could have gotten Lawrence Kasdan for all three movies. But, but I think that, that I don't think that Kasdan and, and, and Ryan Johnson would have worked well together. Cause Ryan Johnson writes no. his own stuff, but um, with a different director in there, maybe, which I hate to say, because I, the last Jedi is my favorite saga film. But um, if you wanted to, if you wanted to solve the problem of cohesiveness, I think that that would have been the way to do it. I think I think you get somebody who's going to come in and be a little bit more of a shooter and a little bit less of a of an auteur. Um, and and it, and that would have that. And one writer throughout Kasdan writing mm-hmm. all three um, would have would have definitely made that uh, the cohesive story that it needed to be. Also, I think that they looked at it like the original trilogy and will George did it one piece at a time and mm-hmm. forgot that like no it's 2015 when we're re- releasing this first movie we live in a different time um and especially now in hindsight with endgame uh and infinity war and endgame bringing together you know a decade of of storytelling um and and really showing us what what uh, playing with the continuity can yield uh Star Wars needed to do better. It didn't need to, to do what it did before. It needed to actually move into a new era of storytelling. I think we're going to get there. I think now that we're done the saga stuff, it's going to get there. And whatever is happening next behind the scenes in terms of film, I, th- I think that we'll end up seeing that. And I think that they figured that out halfway through. Because I think when they when they announced that Ryan Johnson was going to be doing uh, his own trilogy separate from the saga completely removed from it in an area that he can do whatever he wants i think that was kathleen kennedy acknowledging like this isn't working <laughs> right there's something off about this um and going like this is what we need to do and then benioff and weiss getting getting tapped to come in and do whatever they were going to do um it, it seemed to me like for a minute there they were like oh no no, no. okay this is what we, we need a singular vision this is we can't do this we need it needs to be like Kevin Feige, um, uh, with, with the MCU or George with the original trilogy and and the prequel trilogy, where you have to have one person who knows who can captain the ship. One, one Mm -hmm. leader who can look at the map and look at the the horizon and say, that's where we need to go. Um, because that's not, that's not what we got. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that for me, sort of in in stating the problem and a little bit of what we can what could have been done to solve it that's that's sort of where i sit with it um and then obviously i have my own specific nitpicks with rise of skywalker and what they decided to do to try and wrap up all nine movies which was a fool's errand but um Mm -hmm. i it, it in terms of like the trilogy really which is what i want to talk about like that's that's how i feel about it Um, I'm gonna be quiet now I'm gonna let you talk for a little while (laughs)
1: Um, no a lot of the things that you said I would echo I mean I think with the original the what you said with the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy they're a very clear cut in terms of what they're doing the OT is this very mythic hero's journey this we actually my freshman year of high school we watched A New Hope before reading The Odyssey and I was Mm -hmm. like freaking stoked I was like yes let's do it (laughs) but I mean that's that's very much you know Kind of you, know, the whole Joseph Campbell hero with a thousand faces. That's what you're lifting from, um, and it's also a redemption story because um, it's always two pronged. And then on the other end with Vader, um, and he did do a lot of you know uh, stuff, just filling in pieces and whatnot. And it's somehow just luck of the draw works. There are certain things that you kind of have to go back to and do. You have to jump through some hoops to get there, but it works pretty well. And I know that you know he's working with. Marsha on certain aspects of the original trilogy and then handing mm-hmm. it off to like Irv, uh, Irving Kirshner for um, Empire but it, it still feels very singularly um, Lucas in that sense and then with the PT it's uh, pronged again and being just like you said I was gonna say it's it's a Shakespearean tragedy um, and this time you're dealing with the hero's fall um, and in some ways, it's almost the opposite where, where Lucas was kind of pulling pieces together the, in the original with the prequels. I think at many times he probably needed a no man because yeah. if you always have a yes man, that's where you get certain issues in terms of like, you know, if you're a writer, you need an editor um, in terms of, you know, dialogue and production and whatnot. I think with this, he really wanted to test the special effects. And of course, that happens to take away from a lot of a certain emotional aspects of the film. Because as an actor, I can tell you, when you are acting, it's about doing truth in an imaginary circumstance. And, but that imaginary circumstance needs to feel real. And so when you are up against a blue screen, that is not conducive to do that. I love the whole idea of, um, I can't think of what it's called now, on the Mandalorian. uh, The the volume. the volume. Thank you. I was gonna say the void and I knew that wasn't right. You know, having that there, you know, you have part of the set and then you have the screen. And that's great. You don't have the elements necessarily that extreme heat can stream cold can add to certain things if that's what you need for something like Hoth or Tatooine. But at the same time, you then don't have to deal with that as a performer, which then also can make it, you know, it, it can it can be helpful in terms of performance, it can also hinder you as well. And so I I would love to go in there and see what it's like to be in that huge screen and and to have that, I think it's gotta be really amazing. And and you could see, I thought the acting was. There was only little bits in The Mandalorian that I had issues with, and they all felt like very directoral choices. Um, but with the prequels, I mean, I'm sure that's got to be something. You could be the best actor on the planet, and you hear about a lot of like really great actors, and then they're like, "Oh, well, I had to do this," and I, y- you just you feel like you're being thrown in with the sharks because it's completely different, you know. And um, I would actually, the one thing I'll disagree with you on is, I think that. Hayden and Natalie did not come across as well in the prequels because they were trying to play to the Shakespearean aspect. The story itself is already Shakespearean so as a performer you don't have to add to that you just have to be in it and so that's the one thing that I would disagree with you on on that whereas I felt like you and Liam, um, a lot of your really classically trained actors could just go in there and be like, mm-hmm. this is what I have and this is what I'm going to do with it. But yeah. if you try to push that emotional point, that's where I think it becomes um, like kind of cringy and not necessary. And you know, both uh, Natalie and Hayden can do it because she's done it in Black Swan and mm-hmm. you know, however many films she has, Hayden um, is Excellent in Shattered Glass, yeah. which came out not too long after. And he's brilliant. He's playing exactly... He's almost playing a very similar character. It was like, he's whiny and, you know, he's uh, being untruthful to certain things. But he's playing his situation. He's lied and he's been um, untruthful and whatnot. And it works. And so then then you put him against, you know, Peter Sarsgaard and Melanie Linsky and Chloe uh, Svenier and it just... It, it feels whole and whatnot. And that would be the thing that I would have liked to have seen differently with the prequels would be. You don't have to play into that certain emotional aspect. It's already there. You're already star-crossed. Yeah. You think of her as a mother and a lover, as I said before. And she thinks of you as a child and a lover. And that's not going to be good for a relationship. <laughs> with the sequel trilogy, there... I can't think of what that thread is. You know, like I said, it's like it wants to be the mythic hero journey with Rey. But then it's also they do a hero's fall with Kyle, Kylo. But then it's like, oh, nope, we're going to redeem him. And there is just it's so convoluted. And I do agree with you that I would hope that one writer would have alleviated that. At the same time, it may not, because if Disney was like, well, we want to get these done every two years, I would think a writer would probably need three. I think they would need the original timetable. And I think because of how Marvel had done, they were really trying to capitalize on that without again, seeing Marvel really planted those seeds to do what they did. And I mean, it was only 10 years after um, Revenge of the Sith that The Force Awakens came out. Like that's, that's not that long. And so whether it would have been all ryan johnson or i would have loved to have seen what just ryan's version of that trilogy would have been like um mm-hmm. i think the biggest problem started is is they tried to have their cake and eat it too when it came to having their legacy characters and their new characters and as such they shorted everyone yeah. because i remember i don't remember which writer it was saying that anytime he wrote about luke luke became the focus and he was like well i can't do that because luke's the focus of the scene <laughs> well if that's your problem then instead of being a story about ray then it needs to be a story about Luke and they didn't do that and so I'm of the mind that honestly they probably should have just ended at six if Lucas was not going to be a part of these films and just let his characters be and start either like way forward or way back and you just create a whole new series Um, they didn't do that though because you want to capitalize on people love Luke Leia Han Chewie whatever and bring them in and when you're trying to handle that many Variables in a film, it's just not going to work. I think with television, they could have had um, maybe some better luck, possibly. But um, so you know, having Luke be the MacGuffin in the first film, of course, is going to affect what happens in the next film. And I think Ryan did what he. I think he did a great job in picking that up. But then on his end in that film, I do think there is a disservice done to our three new characters, which are Ray, Finn, and Poe. I think Kylo comes out really well because of being the other part of the the side of the coin with Luke. Um, And so that's why you just had this amazing performance by Adam Driver, who just completely sells it. He's, I, I mean, it's fascinating to watch, but at the same time, was that story originally about him because I thought it was about Ray and also Finn due to the marketing. John Boyega was really, I mean, they he really drew the short straw as it came, as time went on. Yeah. Um, and then you toss it off to the third film and, you know, because of the whole Trevorrow thing, And then because of how The Last Jedi was received, and it was received very poorly from people of a certain age and a certain gender, and received (laughs) very well by people of a certain age and a certain gender. um, It was like, what can we do to make them all happy? And the whole thing with art is, is you don't make art for other people. You make it for yourself and you hope that it connects that is what you do that's what lucas did he couldn't do flash gordon and so he does star wars and it completely you know that's what it made what it was and then he did the prequels because he wanted to test his own technology and he did it and you know people are seeing it differently now i will say um i think the phantom menace is the best of the three because it has the least amount of technology but i think his story is all there um i think the acting is you know pretty on par i had Certain things I think could be changed maybe with some of the child acting, but I think a lot of Jake's instincts are also very good. Um, And so it's it's frustrating with the sequel trilogy because I think they had – From the first film, I do think it was a mistake to have Luke be the MacGuffin. But from that, I will say I love The Force Awakens as a film. I enjoy watching it when it's on. I usually do. I do think the first third of the film is the strongest, a.k.a. the part of the film that doesn't include a legacy character. Um, When it delves into that imitation, that's where it becomes a little bit wobbly. Um, and I think Ryan did mostly what he could with the information that he was given. Ray takes a back seat because of course of course Kylo has to be dealt with. And Ray and Kylo already had a thing, and it's about Luke this time, so it's gonna be Luke and him. Um so I can see where certain people have certain issues, you know, in terms of how Ray comes out, how Finn does, um but he does a great job in terms of I think with what he was given and then in terms of passing that baton on you just cannot cater to other people you've just got to keep going and I think with how Ryan ended it I would have loved to have seen I mean I just loved the idea of Kylo being the bad guy that he always pretended he was and that's really really um current for what is going on right now (laughs) and especially seeing that these young men specifically and a lot of the times young white men um that this is what it is and that's very hard to watch in the same way that it's hard to watch older luke be so angry and so upset with and so that's why i think there's just so much going on but i will say i've only seen rise of skywalker once um it also came at a point in my life that was very emotional. And, um, so it's, it's hard for me to watch it again. I think Mm. there's a lot of good ideas in the film. Um, I think the emperor bringing the emperor back was a bad one. Um, (laughs) I do think the, the, the arena stuff are like amazing visuals. And it felt like I was almost watching an episode of clone wars, which was really great. I was really astonished with that, but, I really thought it would be fascinating to see Kylo be that guy that he always thought he was and to see Ray have to completely coincide with that. And Finn have his additional moments as well because he was so built up in that first film and John Boyega gives it 110%, not just as a performer, but as a fan and as an artist um, on the outside looking in. And I mean, I'm not sure when I'll watch it. <laughs> um, a lot of it, again, like I said, is tied to that emotional aspect to it. Um, I saw it opening night uh, with my mom. So I'm, I'm not sure. Um, and I think that's why whatever, I hope they take the time to really, and by they, Lucasfilm, to look at how this was received, look at how The Mandalorian is doing and how it was mm-hmm. received, which is very positive because it's spearheaded by Dave, Well, John Favreau and Dave Filoni and also looking at the Clone Wars and seeing what Dave did with that. You're not going to fix every problem having one voice, but it is going to be hopefully more cohesive if you have one voice. And I think if they start with that, it'll help.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Kevin Feige is still responsible for giving us uh, uh, Thor, Thor. the dark world right like which right, is yeah. which is very argue easy to argue as the worst of the of the mcu films right um right. <clears throat> obviously early on in the run but um but yeah like like even with that yeah, singular vision you're hiccups. still gonna have misses you're all right. yeah like and not not every story is meant to hit everybody and i think that's one of the places where the mcu has been really successful is in switching it up and some people are really into the guardians movies some people all they're there for is Ant-Man. Like, I have a friend who, like, he does oh, really? not care for him. Iron Man. <laughs> he doesn't really care about Captain America. Like, that's fabulous. His, his favorite character in the MCU is Ant-Man. And it's like, oh. and but that's, like, that's the beauty it. of it, right? <laughs> is that, yeah, like, like that that character resonates. And so when you go into Endgame, or Infi- well, he's not in Infinity War, but when you go into Endgame, it's like, oh ant-man's actually like one of the main characters in this one like it's mm-hmm. there's a moment of joy there um and like in infinity war for me it was like going in and and uh i tony uh doctor strange and and peter team up as mm-hmm. like this this trio at one point and i'm like these are my favorite three characters in the mcu and they get this great this great ensemble uh uh adventure um mm-hmm. And, and it's like there, there are these things for you to latch onto, with,
1: mm-hmm. And you're right, it's not perfect. Because I will say yeah. Endgame did not sit with me the way it sat with most people. Mm-hmm. Like I was not a fan of the resolution for Black Widow. Not That's really fair. a fan of the resolution for Gamora either. There's still work to do. <laughs> Though I do yeah. think Infinity War is the best Avenger movie. And everything else is really well done in it. Um, so yeah, I mean even on that end, I'm in the minority of it you know mm-hmm. and I'm in probably the minority of the first Thor is my favorite Thor um, because it, it's it just to me has a really great blend of the Shakespearean but the humor yeah. and in terms of everything and so you're right that's you're not gonna always sail directly into the winds you know it's you're yeah. you're gonna have troubled waters at certain occasions and it's how do you how do you go with it you know um And you've just got to I think in terms of being an artist, you have to stand firm in terms of that story. And when you start catering to it, and that's again, what I see with that final film is I really see trying to Mm -hmm. cater to like five groups at once, and it's not going to happen. And, and that's why, you know, yeah. I think the certain groups that they thought would latch on were very angry about it. And I completely understand why.
0: Well, and 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 I, th- I think one of the things uh, that, that's key in that is, is uh, and uh, we've kind of talked around it, but the whole Raylo aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and although there is some good stuff throughout the movie, it really feels jarring at the very end of the movie when they kiss especially mm-hmm. on first viewing for me, it was like, it was like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I, th- I genuinely think that JJ, Chris Terrio, and Kathleen Kennedy thought that they were doing what you're right. saying. Exactly what the audience wanted.
1: Right. right? And yeah, you can't, and, and... B-
0: but then he dies. Everybody dies. Everybody like, right. like, like no one can be happy. Um, Right. Because he can't be
1: redeemed, to be honest. I mean, redemption is something. And and Lucas does that in the original film with Vader. Vader gets to die. He doesn't have to go through war criminal trials or whatnot. I mean, this is where I'll say Abbott Yeah, and that's where I'll bring up Avatar again. Um, it's about atonement and atonement takes a long time to do and it works very well for TV. For film, a lot of the times you're gonna get the death and that's how it goes. And and I'll just say in terms of the the Raylo aspect, I don't wanna when I mentioned earlier about certain fans not liking The Last Jedi and certain ones, you know, certain things, I don't wanna pigeonhole and say that all people who hate the last Jedi are older men and all people who love Raylo are younger women. That's not the truth. It's a very wide ranging Mm -hmm. group of people. Um, I, the Raylo thing was never something that I went into. I do think Adam and Daisy have an insane sexual chemistry. <laughs> yeah. And I felt that in the second yeah. film. And I thought that it was, I mean, I, I really did. And it was, I mean, and so... That's why I thought for, for it to end how it did, for her to have to then face him in the last film and he's made his choice, that's a very difficult thing to accept as someone, especially for Ray, who has always been wanting that true acceptance and who's been holding on to something for so long and she didn't get it. Yeah. I personally felt in the film he was going to die either way. In the last film, whether he was, you know, and I figured he would probably turn good as well. It wasn't what I wanted, but I had accepted it and I was okay with it. Um, Like I said, I would have, you know, what is it um, in the Thrawn books? It's Jason, right, who ends up doing the turn. Uh, I mean, it seems like they could yeah, have gone the like books. a Jason yeah. Jaina thing. Yeah. yeah. And that would have been really fascinating to see. And I couldn't imagine how difficult that would be for Ray after emotionally opening herself up so yeah. much. And um, and I know that's something that's done a lot too, you know. But I think it would have been really ripe for the storytelling. And I do agree as well. The, the kiss aspect to me felt like pandering. I think yeah. if she would have hugged him, it would have actually been a really like emotionally understandable moment you know because it would have been like thank you and that's that's really what she was saying is like you you I mean I'm here you saved me thank you and and in the same way for she to him and that's that's another thing that's just prevalent in film nowadays too is like you don't have to have your leads get together who are male and female you don't and it can be done and it can be done well um and so I understand why people from so many different backgrounds were were let down. I would have been let down too by that because I would have felt like it was being pandered to. And um and it's completely understandable and it's it's unfortunate because I think as two separate characters, they are both utterly fascinating. Mm-hmm. And they were both very, very present with what we were going with what we are currently going on right now. Especially yeah. in Kylo, the whole kind of toxic masculine you know, this it's my way or the highway and yeah. I'm going to do what I want to do and it's, you know, Wild West and here's my weapon and I'm going to go in and do it. Well, and, and,
0: and, and tying all of that into the imagery of the First Order and mm-hmm. them being essentially uh, uh, Galactic Empire cosplayers to, mm-hmm. in, the, in the worst respect, right? And mm-hmm. then seeing, like you say, what's going on in our world right now. Um, and that's and, fascinating to me. Like yeah, like that. I I and I think that to me that is ultimately the thing that the sequel trilogy fails at the most is that it sets up so many ideas, and it leaves every last one of them on the table. An- another really great example is from the first movie, we set up that that these uh, the stormtroopers are conditioned; they're not mm-hmm. voluntary. They're not mm-hmm. clones so they're not bred for it they're not they're not uh genetically predisposed to follow orders in the way mm-hmm. that the clones were um and to not question it really right i uh which then obviously in the clone wars we learned that the jedi sort of give them that ability um and that's why some of our characters get to to have a later life right but mm-hmm. but ultimately like like they are they were designed to to be that and then in the era of, of the Empire and Rebellion, they're, they're, they're conscripts and volunteers, right? So it's like there is a certain element of like, like, and we see it in Solo, where it's like Han joins up with the Empire and Luke is going to join with the Empire because right. they see no other way out of their circumstance, which, right. is, which is also a very apt, very interesting mm-hmm. metaphor to get into and to talk about.
2: Mm-hmm. When we
0: get into the, the, the First Order in the sequels, we get this idea of like these children and and rise builds on it but never fulfills anything of like these children are are kidnapped and entire planets or cities are are just robbed of a generation who mm-hmm. are then conditioned brainwashed and put in stormtrooper armor and mm-hmm. uh and 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 then slaughtered on mass <laughs> by right. By mm. b- both in action by Palpatine and, and Snoke by sending them out to war, and also by the resistance in fighting them. So when they blow right. up that dreadnought in the last Jedi, Poe is is unknowingly leading an assault against innocent people, right? Mhm. And obviously, you know, we also have the story elements of some of them are our former imperials, especially right. like we get the sense that within the command structure that that like the officers are are they have their free will, right? But but that the soldiers and the the grunts and whatnot.
1: Are, right. Yeah. Are, and they're are, being very suffocated, too. I yeah. mean, you even think about like because now I just had this idea. It's um, how many of them probably have latent force abilities and they don't know about it because yeah. of how they're conditioned. And so, of course, when Finn breaks free from it he, we see in the last movie, he starts to able to sense things. And that could be any kind of real-life situation of abuse and oppression and whatnot. And that in itself is a whole separate thing that's ripe for it. And... You know, like you said, the balls, the balls dropped. And I think, for me, that goes back to who was the sequel trilogy about? Was it about yeah. our legacy characters? Yeah. Or was it about our new characters? And by trying to divvy up that time, everybody, like I said, they fell short. And yeah. I know they originally said, well, Han was going to be kind of your focus and 7 and then Luke and 8 and Leia and 9 and that still just doesn't feel like enough to me you know Um, to try to keep serving their story it's like they want them to be the mentor and usually the mentor has a very specific part while also continuing it and it's like you can't do that and that's where I just really wish if they were if you were going to go past 6 I would have personally stopped at 6 if you were going to do that then the decision should have really been made of okay this is purely about brand new people who kind of have a loose connection or, you know, yes, it is about Luke and Leia and Han and we're going to have some new people that we're going to introduce. And maybe if we want to do some stuff around them, we can. And if it became, well, are our older actors going to fully invest in that? Then, then you gotta, then you gotta decide what do you want to do? And I, I mean, that was something that when I first watched each of the films, I was kind of concerned if they would like phone it in and, you know, with Harrison, you know, when he, finally the thing where it really clicked for me is when he yells ben in the force awakens um and then in terms of like mark hamill i i mean oh my gosh just what he does in the last jedi he should have been nominated for so many awards for that performance oh yeah oh my gosh the work he he does is extraordinary
0: the best performance of his career and that's and and some people go like well yeah mark hamill and it's like no no this is saying a lot because in his not
1: seen that
0: yeah, but and in in his in his voice career, like he's got some incredible performances. He does. Specifically as the Joker, but like right. like in other stuff as well. Like he's a, a, Avatar is a, is a, is a great example uh, in Last yes. Airbender. Uh yes. as as Ozai, he's he's awesome as that villain and it's such a great turn. Wait, I can't
1: wait. So have you seen Avatar or haven't or have you Oh not... yeah,
0: no, I've seen Avatar the Last Airbender. Oh, I thought you yeah. said you
1: were rewatching it. Dang it. Oh, so, no, no, no.
0: Uh, no, were oh, you avoiding gosh. stuff? Oh, I- oh yeah,
1: because I thought you had said that you guys hadn't. Maybe I'm thinking of because you said no to Watchmen. So what I was gonna say yeah. earlier is, is in terms of atonement, look at Zuko. Like yeah. that is a lot of work that was done regarding that character, and it feels earned. Um, and it's and it's there from point one too. I think that's the other problem I had is that with Kylo, I yeah. never really felt that internal struggle with him the way that I do with Zuko. And there's also a huge age difference. You're going to be expected about a lot more (laughs) things that, like, whatever, 28 or 9 versus 16. Um, You are much more vulnerable as a 16-year-old. And it's not to say that you don't carry those scars as a 29-year-old because, I mean, I literally posted something about PTSD and a lot of people think that, it, it only applies to soldiers. Yeah. It applies to so many... It, for me, it's bullying. Um, it's the loss of a loved one. It's illness. It's oppression. It's There's so many various things. And I felt like even from the beginning, I didn't sense that struggle with Kylo, to be honest. I really didn't. Um, no, and so that's I, I, why I felt yeah. it was a more interesting route to like a lot of what we're seeing right now with certain people. They want to be this bad thing that they've always imagined. And they actually they end up i don't want to say rising (laughs) but falling to that um to that occasion and that's a really fascinating story for right now
0: yeah i mean i i didn't um i never really really gelled with the character of kylo ren or ben solo until rise of skywalker which is the one sort of the one shining spot for me is that it did give me that that um, mm, interesting. just that the the few moments that we get with Ben at the very end and that glimpse of um of what could have been right like a, of the hero that he could have been the whole time and then sort of going back and thinking back throughout it and going like like well why did he end up the way that he did and I I stepped in a hornet's nest a few months back um, and and engaged with with someone on Twitter that I didn't know um, about a Raylo subject, and got just eviscerated by that that segment mm. of the fandom. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and and when that happens, you have two choices: you can either get defensive, uh, you know, uh, 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 curl up in a ball like a hedgehog and just present the spines to everybody,
1: mm-hmm. or
0: you can actually listen to what these people are saying, try and understand their perspective, and maybe learn a couple of things along the way. And right. uh, I I opted to do the latter and uh, and and actually um, ended up learning so much more about the way that that character is perceived by so many people um, mm-hmm. stuff that I totally missed on because the character didn't connect with me so I mm-hmm. didn't go looking for that stuff I was more concerned with like with Poe's story in the Last Jedi or with Ray um, and and worrying about them that I went, well Kylo's the bad guy, and he's supposed to be the bad guy. He's that's what he's gonna be in Rise, right? Um, mm. because that's what that's what Ryan had set up. That's that's that was my belief was like, well he's gonna be like an unhinged, crazy bad guy in this movie, and that's gonna be a threat that we haven't seen because he's every bit as powerful as the Emperor, but he's not old. He's he's also every bit as youthful as Luke would have been. So like, I thought that's where we were going. And I was fully prepared to invest in him as a villain. Because um, I've never been, like, the villain guy. Like, it, uh, Darth Maul didn't interest me until the Clone Wars turned him into a sympathetic character. Well, actually, even Rebels did it more more so than, than even Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. I mean. But, uh, like, Dooku, I, I, Grievous, Vader, like, none of those characters, they're cool. I love them as part of Star Wars, but they're the bad guys. I don't invest in them in the way that I do with the heroes, mm-hmm. but then well, yeah. people like turn me on to this idea in particular, and actually, uh, we're gonna have Danielle on in, in a couple of weeks, at the end of the month, um, and, and she was the one one who I and we'll, that's it's gonna be our main topic on that episode, so I won't get into it too much, but she's the one who turned me on to the idea, of of Ben Solo, uh, as I. Uh, Uh, like a, a survivor of abuse as a child. Like, like imagine being that kid and all of this pressure that's on you, which is already enough to, to, to push anybody to act rebellious and make bad decisions. And then you literally have the voice of the most evil person in the galaxy. Now bring back Palpatine was a terrible idea, but we have to live with it. That's what they chose to do. So if we go back and we think about his life growing up as a kid, when did Palpatine start messing with his head? Was it right after he destroyed the temple or was it long before that? And I choose to believe until we get further storytelling, it was a long time before that. Like, right. And it was, it was even before he went to Luke. Like That's what Leia and Han were responding to, whether they knew it or not. And, and to me, it's why Leia um, sort of rejects him in a way, rejects Ben, because she senses that. She senses Palpatine inside of him and thinks i can't do anything about this um right and and so opts to send him away to luke thinking like well luke can luke can solve this problem i can't solve this problem uh, Right, and it's only later that she realizes like that's not what he needed what he needed was his mother and father right right and sends han and says no she needs he needs his dad right but if you think of ben as a child as like a seven or eight year old and he is a good kid. He is the son of his—I think more so his mother even than his father—all um, of her great parts and all of his obnoxious parts. I, uh, uh, which is what we get to see in that last little moment in Rise of Skywalker with him. I, uh, this great kid who wants to do the right thing, who wants to grow up to to live up to this legacy that that he knows. Uh, surrounds him. But then there's this voice in the back of his head, constantly telling him that he'll never live up to it. That you like, Mm -hmm. like pal, we know how Palpatine works. We saw him do it with Anakin. Right. And to think like, even in, in an even more insidious way. And I use that word very purposefully. He is just going to just from a distance, just pepper these things in. Right. So that's, and, and that to me, like that, that then creates a sympathetic character and and yes, Kylo does go on to do some very heinous things that that cannot be forgiven. But the character never gets the opportunity to atone. Ben never gets the chance to make up for Kylo. And the language in Star Wars is very clear that Anakin Skywalker is dead. Darth Vader replaced him, right? Like that, If if we're willing to give that to Vader... And to and to extend that that metaphor into reality with that character, we have to also do it with Ben, right? Oh, and,
1: yeah. Um, and can so, I like, yeah. Go ahead. Interject. Go ahead. I was going to say I 100% agree. I don't think that's the interesting choice because we've already seen a young man who's already had a traumatic childhood, sure. and that was Anakin, and we saw his his fall and his redemption. I don't think it's necessarily prudent to redo that story again. And so that's where you could have taken somebody like Finn, who also had a very oppressive childhood, Mm -hmm. and see that he makes the choice to be better and to be different. And in the same way with Rey, who was neglected, she makes the same choice as well. And Finn's obviously was swept under the rug, and that started to happen in The Last Jedi, and I think that happened again because of what Ryan had to deal with in terms of Luke's story. Yeah. Um... And then in terms of the the falling, you know, with the rise of Skywalker, I, I 100% agree. You know, you give that courtesy to Vader, I understand why it should be extended to Ben. I don't think as a story you need to do it again. I think it's more fascinating to find the person who unfortunately, because these types of things, it, it is constant. Like I talk about depression, anxiety, all mental type health issues, they're constant. Um, I can't remember who it's who it was who said this, but um, it was something that Robin Williams had talked about like before he passed and just saying how it is an everyday battle that you mm-hmm. deal with. And sometimes you just, It takes hold and and that's and that's really sad and it's unfortunate and you see how the environment around you made that possible how certain things with parenting and i want to be very clear when i say parenting i know there's a big thing on twitter too like talking about han and leia as parents and like don't blame them for what happened to kylo your childhood immediately affects how you grow up as an adult yeah it doesn't mean the parents were doing that consciously. That's just they're having their own things from when they grew up. And so we see, we've see we seen part of Han's childhood. We know Leia came from a, a very loving family, but it, it's all cyclical and it all comes down a certain way. So just to say yeah. that this is something that I know I've had to talk about in terms of therapy, it's not to say that the parenting was not done properly. It's just there are certain things that you did not get as a child. So then it becomes your job as an adult to take control of that and that is something that I don't think Ben does it's a it's a push of it i mean he finally does in rise of skywalker but i think it would have been a just a really fascinating story to go down that road and That's he. He's just not able to make that transition in the same way that Anakin was. I -hmm. don't think they wanted to do that because Star Wars, as Lucas has said many times, it is about hope. It is a very Christian story. It is about forgiveness. It is about redemption. And I understand that. And that's where again I would have said, you know what? Don't do a sequel series. Cut it (laughs) off at six and do a new story because then you can you can tell that you can tell that heroes fall or hero rise all over again. And you can be really um, pointed with it, and that's okay. But when you're using these characters that are already existing, that's where it becomes very muddied. And so that's where I felt that kind of the ball was dropped. And, you know, television may have been a better place because I think that um, Filoni does a really great job with it in Clone Wars and in Rebels. I think Maul is a great example of that. Yeah. I always have called Maul. Um, the Salieri of Star-, Star Wars, the Antonio Salieri. You know, you have um, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, and then you have Salieri. And Salieri can see everything. He can recognize everything, but he is never going to reach that level of Mozart. Yeah. And I've always thought of Maul as that character. And even when he dies, he still doesn't get it because he asks, is that, you know, is, is he the chosen one? And, you know, and Ben Lyst, you know, he says yes, you know, and I, I can't remember, you know, what's going on. They're talking about Luke or whatnot, but the whole thing yeah. is, is like Maul's thinking it about everything as revenge. And that's still, he, he he dies and he still doesn't fully understand it. What happens is, is that Ben chooses to give him mercy. And that's, that's the difference from all of their previous occasions. And that's, I mean, that's why it was really beautiful to see. And I know for a lot of people at first, they were like, whoa, this was really unexpected. But it was really great storytelling and it felt... Um, it felt cohesive with everything that had come beforehand. Yeah. And so that's, you know, that's where with the rise of Skywalker again, I still want I, I don't know who the main character is of those films. I mean, I really <laughs> don't know if it's Kylo or if it's Ray, And it, yeah. it could be double because I would say that with the original series, I don't know, it goes back and forth. I do think the original series starts out as Luke's. I think it becomes probably 40% Vader, for Empire and Jedi. And then, um, you know, with the prequels, I I would say it's definitely more focused on Anakin. But I mean, you can do it. Avatar does it very well with Aang and with Zuko. Um, But it is called Avatar The Last Airbender. And I will say with how The Force Awakens started with its promotional work and whatnot, I don't think it ended in that same way. And I think that's why so many characters did not get the due that they necessarily Needed, And that's unfortunate because I do think that they were all really fantastic characters that were yeah. created. I will tell you, every time I see Rey get that saber in The Force Awakens, my heart just, it leaps. It's it's like when I hear Eowyn, you know, it's not her slaying the Witch King. It's actually when she tells Mary, ride with me. Yeah. It's, it's just a very emotional moment as a woman that I feel. And it's probably my favorite moment in the whole series is in The Last Jedi when Luke goes out to face Kylo. Um, so they're all there there's all those pieces and that's what makes it so unfortunate is that they really don't fit into a puzzle but there was all of that ability to do that and I hope that they're just in the same way you're able to learn from it because they've got they've got smart people there they've got talented people there and you've got people who are interested and and want to want to know what's what's happening next
0: One of the one of the best things about Star Wars is that it's actually it's a little bit like Disneyland in the sense that it's never finished. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And uh, even George, he he had this ideology and I think that that it, it should extend uh, into the future uh, the way that he went back to the to the original trilogy for the special edition the way that even when um, when the Phantom Menace was released on DVD although I personally think the original cut of the pod race is much better um, the, the the extended cut is too long it you kind of you kind of lose the force for the trees in it a little bit but um, <laughs> but but he, and, and like we can say that with the special edition there's stuff that's like this really wasn't necessary putting Jabba back in wasn't necessary. But um, but he always felt like like there was room for improvement and room to tinker um, with mm-hmm. those that's movies. That's the artist, too. You're yeah, never sure.
1: truly satisfied. Yeah. And we're, we're, that's um, where you need that no man.
0: <laughs> yeah. But I think that we have an opportunity with the sequel trilogy, whether it's in continuing stories with those characters, which I don't think we'll get anytime soon. I think we're probably Mm-mm. at least a couple of years away from them doing anything. But... I would love to get. Uh, I said after walking out of Rise of Skywalker, it was like one of the best things that they could do is take the the trio of Rose, uh, Connix, and um, and Beaumont Kin, and and like show us that like as the main trio was, you know, fighting the 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 big epic fight, that those three characters were the ones that like they're the ones who who actually like the resistance runs on those characters in the Mm -hmm. same way. And we could have gotten a Disney plus series with them or we could get books or whatever in the same way that we get the X-Wing series that really focuses on rogue squadron. And it's like, yeah, Luke and Leia and Han, they're out there, uh, you know, tipping the scales in the galactic conflict with, you know, like Mm -hmm. the battle between good and evil, this, this mythic, uh, uh, fight that, that the rest of the galaxy has no idea is even happening. Really?
2: Mm-hmm. Like how many
0: people even really know that Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader and blah blah blah, right? Right. Um, it's it's such that's why an I love inner the Mandalorian. circle thing. Yeah.
1: And that's where I'm kind of. I know we talked about this. It's not confirmed if she's showing up, but that's where I would prefer that Ahsoka wouldn't, because I like that it doesn't have to all be interconnected, and yeah. you are just seeing kind of this slice. Of what is going on, and I mean, it's a galaxy, you know. It's like nonstop in terms of what you can use, and yeah,
0: yeah and I, I hope
1: I, it continues that way. We'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, <laughs> I would
0: love to see. I would love to see stories that go in with some of the the lesser known characters from the sequel trilogy to flush some stuff out or to finish up some threads. I mean, like mm-hmm. introducing Janna in in Return of, in Rise of Skywalker. And doing nothing with that character, is, right? And is, she was
1: really great in her <clears throat> limited screen time. Yeah, and, Ak, and, and she really was.
0: And setting up something again that, like, like it, it really felt halfway through the movie, like it was like, oh, w- the reason why they're coming in is because we're gonna really capitalize on this idea of like the stormtroopers don't want to fight, and mm-hmm. all they need is a nudge, all they need is a push. This. Uh, battalion all they needed was the example of finn in order to break through their conditioning if Mm -hmm. they can just shut that down somehow get inside that um and it's why like they should i feel they should have brought back gwendolyn Christie in in rise and she should have been more machine than man and it it should have been like a like this is how far the first order is willing to go in order to keep you enslaved is Mm -hmm. that like she's dead she's not there That's a machine with her face, right? Like that sort of thing. Like, and and to have that juxtaposed with Finn, who is more alive than ever because he's free. Right. And to have him come in with these other stormtroopers that also revolted and to and for that to be the way that they actually win Mm -hmm. is is not by destroying a satellite or a a, a radar dish or by Mm -hmm. Ray using a Dragon Ball Z move on a bunch of Sith, right? But like instead for the for the thing that actually allows them to win to be uh, uh, like like good actually triumphing over evil on a on an individual scale massively right like mm-hmm. all at once because it, it would work so perfectly with all of those ships coming in with lando at the end and then all of the stormtroopers like turning on the officers uh mm-hmm. and making it really clear like the uh, these officers most of them are former imperial they're they believe in the cause but like they can be overthrown right and sort right. of showing that generation rising up against mm-hmm. <laughs> which <Also> again very <laughs> very, pertinent very to what's yeah, going very on pertinent. right now <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, like I, yeah. like there's such a missed opportunity there and, and it's, it, it's something yeah. I'll never get over, but you do still have an opportunity after the fact to write a couple of novels or, or mm-hmm. another trilogy of novels and to really focus on Finn and Jana in a story like that, where, yeah, they defeated Palpatine. Yeah. They defeated the final order, but the first order was still out there. There are still office in the same way that the Imperial remnant was still out there. And what we're seeing right. in the Mandalorian, or what we saw in the expanded universe, so to have them go like, it, there are still stormtroopers out there. They're innocent right. people, and and if we're heroes, then it's actually our job to go free them, right? And right. and especially to have two black characters be the ones leading that story i think would be really powerful i think that there's an opportunity there that's missed but I, uh, uh yeah it, like th- there's there's so much there that i think they can still do and i right there will always be time to, there, will there always were just be time, but.
1: i think there were too many balls in the air you know <clears throat> yeah. again what are like you said with the original and the prequel you can say one shakespearean tragedy and it's hero falling the other is the the mythic quest and it's about redemption and you can boil it down to those two we can't do that with this we have too many characters to really i think if you would have only had you know our new guys you could have absolutely done everything that you said um and then with i mean it It's like I'm trying to think of who I think which character is served best in each of the three films, and I actually really can't pick one. I mean, I think Luke is served really well in The Last Jedi in terms of what he gets to do, but because we have that missing part from The Force Awakens and we don't have anything else... um, That's why it's very frustrating for some people. I mean, again, I'm okay with it. I would love to see a book at some times, Uh, not a comic. You know, I would just... I think a book where you could really delve into his head would be really great. But I think he's probably the one that served wholly the best. And I know some people may say Kylo, but again, I don't think... I think the Kylo stuff falls short in terms of Mm -hmm. what they've done. So if it ends up being that Luke is the one who served the best and he's a legacy character, then something happened, you know, and, um, and that just goes down to with, with, you have so I mean, you had, you had enough threads in there to make it like a a TV show. I mean, the the amount of threads you have are almost like Game of Thrones and which episodes of Game of Thrones were always better. The ones that were much more of a bottle type episode that really focused on one location. So if you're watching Blackwater or, you know, um, What is it? The Red Wedding episode, The Reigns of Castamere. Or my personal favorite, it does go everywhere, is season six. Um, But even the end uh, or the beginning of The Winds of Winter has that whole 20-minute section of everything involving Cersei and the Sept. And it shows that when you can really narrow your time onto something, on a specific place or character, You're going to get more out of that. And unfortunately with film, you can't do that. You've got, you know, with these types of films, two and a half hours maybe. And so you've got to be very specific on what you are trying to focus on. And it's very, it's very scatterbrained and the originals do not feel scatterbrained in terms of what's going on I mean it's pretty it's pretty straightforward with what you've got I know a lot of the political stuff in the prequels gets a little overwhelming (laughs) and confusing and that's where it does help to have the Clone Wars series flesh everything out because you're able to see what Palpatine does with the banks like I love the Clovis arc it gets shat upon like I don't know why because all the Padme arcs do but that arc is fascinating with what he does you've got you know the whole um, I mean you've got the like guerrilla warfare, you've got child soldiers, you've got child brides in the um, episode with Asajj Ventress and the bounty hunters. You've got a lot. And that series, to me, makes those films better because there were so many big ideas that he had in those first films. It does help to have that kind of clarification of the world because the world is just... There's a lot going on. And so it really helps flush it out. And we don't have that with the sequel trilogy. So we've got all this information, but I know I've seen people talk about like, what does the first order even want? And we don't know. <laughs> yeah. And it's not to say you got to know every little detail, but it's just what, you know, what is it that they want? What is the, um, the resistance? And we don't have that. And those are easy questions that you can say literally in like one sentence. And, you know, part of me wonders if, Lucasfilm is going to be apprehensive of doing anything else with that material right now. I don't think they will. I think they're going to focus, like we've seen, on their books, like The High Republic, which I think is a really uh, fun choice to do. And then with The Mandalorian, you know, they've got the other shows that are kind of in the same timeline, and that's how they'll be there. But so uh, part of that's a little unfortunate because I would like to see more with these characters and whatnot, but I think they're going to wait for the dust to settle. Um, where people can then, if they they decide to go back, they can reassess and be much more cognizant and less yeah. really like, knee-jerk emotional about how they feel about certain things.
0: I think, if, I think <laughs> if they wait five years and let the kids that are between 10, 8 and 12... Mm-hmm. Throughout the course of, of the sequel trilogy, the the kids who who it was going to hit with the most, um, let them let them grow up, let them turn mm-hmm. into adults, and then you come back uh, with those characters, and you and you can you can come back and you can hit that hard because they're going to be the ones driving purchasing decisions, mm-hmm. uh, and and the ones with the the uh, disposable income to to, right, to make it yeah. matter. So, in ter- like from 10, a business perspective. Yeah, I don't think yeah. you have to wait that long these days.
1: <laughs> no, well, and I think that's the problem, though, is that everybody yeah. wants that instant gratification, and so that's the problem with it. Um, and and that's where I give, for instance, with like Mandalorian, John Favreau, a lot of credit for not allowing Baby Yoda to be released when it did, because yeah. it shows, you know, it doesn't have to happen that quickly. I mean and this is something you can talk about in therapy all the time a lot of therapy will revolve around this is knee-jerk reactions you know you you, it's about being present and so that's really that moment if you think in the future there's a lot of anxiety that can come from that if you think in the past there's a lot of regret a lot of depression um so you have to be present with that and that's very difficult to do and a lot of people feel a discomfort in doing that or a a dis-ease and I say that because like disease dis-ease and we just as people have to learn to settle into that and once we do I think that also affects our art and how it is created and how it is performed and whatnot Mm. and we're just not there yet because obviously technology is just it it goes at the rate that it does and so we feel like we have to follow it Um, I honestly hope with what's going on right now that people have been able to be more aware of things um in terms of the corona situation because you've had to be at home in more of a solitary situation and be very um uh conscientious about you know who you're who you're being around where you're going and whatnot and i hope that allows people to understand like that's okay to just be in this stasis of sometimes just standing where you need to stand you don't have to move forward. You don't have to move backward. You may move sideways. That's all right. And I hope we can see that with Star Wars, too, because I think that's where you're going to find the thing then that hits. I think that's actually what happened with Mandalorian, to be honest. Yeah,
0: yeah absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I think that's actually a great place to end. Uh, I, th- I think we had a we, we, <laughs> we covered a lot of ground. We talked about a lot of really cool stuff. Um, I know it's late for you, so. I, oh,
1: this, it's like not even my bedtime yet. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> so sad. I'm on like that 3 a.m. go to bed, like 1 p.m. wake up right now. Okay. It's horrendous. <laughs> so horrendous. I don't get
0: that choice because the uh, the, the small humans dictate when yes. I am awake. They, um, yes.
1: If my niece was around, it would be very yeah. different.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, awesome. Uh, I, I, I really enjoyed that conversation. Uh, I hope that everybody listening got as much out of it as i did uh and uh, and and i uh, thank you so much for coming on where where can people find you uh, obviously twitter is a good place <laughs>
1: that's where I always say this was a running gag for me on Fandalorians between Sean and John, because, um, I would, you know, I would always joke because John would be like, go to the IMDB. And I would be like, yes, go click on my profile. So it rises (laughs) and that's like become this running gag. So if you want to go on my IMDB, Samantha K. Joe, K A C H O, Thanks so much. Uh, you don't know for really, you don't have to do that, but I have to say it because that was my favorite thing that we would do. Um, um, yeah, I'm mostly on Twitter talking about Star Wars. Sam, S A M, Diane, D I A N E K, just the letter K. And just trying to also do the same thing, which is make the art or be a part of art that connects with me and hope that it connects with others as well, because that's a really great feeling. And um, I hope that we can start to do more of that again slowly and surely, but safely.
0: Yeah absolutely awesome uh, well thank you i you guys know where you can find me uh our wolf a-r-k-w-l-f on uh fa- on not facebook uh, twitter and instagram um you can find me on facebook but don't because it's just i just share memes i it's for old people um and, uh, and, uh, you guys will get the whole rigmarole in the outro, but, uh, but thank you for tuning in. Uh, thank you for being patient with us. Uh, it, it's a, it's one of two things. Either, uh, either you guys are all really incredibly patient or nobody cares that we didn't put out any more episodes. Uh, I hope that that's because we were putting out regular episodes of Rebel Cells and those of you that are, that are into it, uh, have been listening to that, but, uh, uh regardless thank you for uh for being patient and waiting for us to come back uh when we could um and uh, we'll have a lot of regular episodes coming up um and uh, and hopefully hopefully soon we'll start getting some news about things like the mandalorian season two and whatever the next animated project is and other stuff i don't know maybe they could announce something it's uh, they did surprise us with star wars squadrons recently so um, maybe we got some more surprises like that in the offing, uh, and, uh, there'll be some cool stuff about Star Wars to talk about, but everybody knows it doesn't matter if there's news. There's always something to talk about with always Star Wars. Always something. Uh, and if there isn't, somebody will just make up a news story and we can talk about that. Uh, <laughs> cool.
1: I will, what I've decided is I want a Chopper children's book, so I'm just gonna put that out into the ether because... Yes. This was because Del Rey was asking things and I didn't ask a question. I just said Chopper children's book. And now I want to write it because I feel that's probably the worst person to give children advice is Chopper. I was going to say it works. It works because I was just watching a future of the force. And at the end of the episode, he's like babysitting pipey and then the human baby. And he's like spinning around. And I think, yes, let's do this. So I'm just going to put that out there.
0: Uh, yeah, Children's I mean,
1: book. Let's I do wouldn't
0: it. I wouldn't necessarily want to leave Chopper unsupervised with my children, but um, because he is a little bit homicidal, particularly for an astro droid. But <laughs> His
1: body count is so high. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, he is merciless. But uh, but it, I, I mean, they talked about it from the outset. He's a cat where R2 is a dog. Yes. So that's yes. how cats roll. <laughs> yes. um, awesome. Thank you so much for for joining me on this one, Samantha. Thank you. I, 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 I really so appreciate
1: fun. it. It means a lot. It's uh, the last one I had done was back in December, so this this meant a great deal to me. Thank you.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm I'm glad that we could do that for you. Um, awesome. We will see you guys on the next episode. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Star Wars FMI. If you like what you hear, you can support us in two ways. First, by heading to store.thunderquack.com to pick up some merch, or by heading to patreon.com thunderquack to kick in with your monthly pledge of support. Your pledge gets you early access, exclusive podcasts, and more. Thanks for listening, and may the Force be with you. Faster More Intense is part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Head to thunderquack.com for more great podcasts.